Are you sick and tired of ads? Well, this is an ad telling you that you don't need to listen to ads. Stitcher Premium has some of your favorite shows ad-free, like The Joe Rogan Experience, My Favorite Murder, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, and the Marvel original, Wolverine the Long Night. It also includes early access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and more. Go to stitcherpremium.com and upgrade your account for only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year. Plus, sign up and use our offer code, CAPED, at checkout and get your first month for free. That's CAPED, C-A-P-E-D, for your first month free. Stitcher Premium. It's like Stitcher, but premium. This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. citizens welcome to the fortress of potitude i'm dave michaels and i'm brian betts and we are the cape podcasters and this is the show that gets what it fucking deserves <laughs> ouch today we're talking about joker 2019's joker directed by the todd phillips of road trip fame of the hangover fame of old school fame of the hangover part two fame you know movies that really say oh i should do joker the exact of course every one of these says one would be great Joker. We had a call on a guest today. It's been a while since he's been on. It's our amateur Batman enthusiast. It's just Kevin. Thanks for having me back, Dave. We had to. It's been a while. You're, you're our Batman enthusiast. Ah, that's one word for it. You crawl out of the, the bat cave, slide on down the bat pole. I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do in your spare time. No, I don't we, need to. We know. haven't seen you since Bat Month, so who knows what you've been up to? Just probably labeling things. You've never <laughs> seen me and Batman in the same location, you know? No, that's true. <laughs> Have you guys seen this thing? I know it's brand new. This thing's going to be full of spoilers. Sorry, everyone. But Oscar season. This one's the, the biggie. That's up for the Oscars. 11 nominations. That's a shitload of nominations. Yes, it is. It's almost 12. Brian, have you seen this thing before? Yeah, I saw this when it was in theaters, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So like it, love it, gotta have it. Where do you land with this thing, Cold Stone style? Probably a gotta have it, but I didn't quite finish the gotta have it. So you left a little bit in the bowl. Yeah. I'm curious to know what that even means. I don't really know. Kev, have you seen this thing? I just watched it last night for the first time. And? Uh, I'll go with love it. So right down the middle. Right down the middle. Sure. That's really an unfair scale, isn't it? Way to Kind of. Because you can't be like, oh, so I want. I don't like it, love it, or God, I, have, I want you to take a shit in my cup. <laughs> that could be part of the scale. It, I guess it could be. That's the Alabama version of Cold Stone <laughs> Creamery. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm so sorry, Alabama. <laughs> Roll Tide? You're going to get some angry emails. Probably. I saw this for the first time also last night. I think I'm going to love it. I think yeah. I'm going to love it. I don't know if I'm going to got to have it yet. I'm still digesting this whole thing, and I'm curious to see where we land when Brian gives us this whole run through here. Very quickly before we even get to a run through of anything. Joaquin Phoenix. I think it's worth talking about him up front. We rarely do this. But it's his movie. It's his everything. He puts on a phenomenal performance. Am I alone? I, I can't be alone here with that one, right? I I had said before that I don't know if I could have named probably most of the other characters in the movie. Because it's just him? Yeah, for the most part. You and love Joaquin, too. It, oh, he's great. We were, me and Kev were talking about Gladiator before we even got rolling with this thing. And, man, he, he lost his mind at Joaquin. <laughs> Not even a Russell Crowe guy, which is weird. That is weird. Uh, Todd Phillips actually said that the goal was never to introduce Joaquin Phoenix into the comic book universe, but to introduce the comic book universe to or comic book movies to Joaquin Phoenix universe. 
Well, all right. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> I guess something, that's, right? That's something you could do, I suppose. Bri, what's this thing about? Gotham City, 1981. A city struggling with crime, unemployment, and poverty. The city is currently in the midst of a waste removal strike, and tensions are rising. I feel tense. Yeah, you should. It's rising. The tension. It's rising. My tension is rising. Arthur Fleck, portrayed by the Joaquin Phoenix, works as a clown for hire doing some sweet sign spinning for a store going out of business. His sign gets snatched by a group of teens, forcing Arthur to chase them into an alley where they smash the sign against his face like a jackass thun and proceed to jump him. Yeah, I had a weird comment when I was watching this thing. I don't know why, but whenever I watch Joaquin Phoenix run, I thought of Michael Sarah. <laughs> I could see that. Where it's like a very specific run. Michael Sarah's got that like. I almost thought like Kramer-ish. <laughs> maybe a little, like, I could see that. It's such an odd run. It, it reminded super... me a little bit of uh, Johnny Depp in the Pirates movies. I don't know if it's that exaggerated. I don't know. Eh. That's... I said a little bit. Somewhere in between, maybe. May- oh, you know, fine. Just for the sake of it. Sure. Nailed it. <laughs> That's it, what it was. Did anybody Thanks, else notice that the sign broke a little early? Props, man. Props. I did not notice. This movie only costs $55 million to make. Sometimes the sign's going to break a little too early. <laughs> Could have spent the extra 100 bucks. <laughs> the guy directed The Hangover. Give him a break. He also directed Joker. <laughs> oh, let's not forget that one. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur visits his social worker for his medication, laughing like a maniac. He reveals that he wants to become a stand-up comedian, and he's been using his journal as a joke diary. On the bus ride home, he makes silly faces to amuse the little boy, as you do. But his mom is like, hey, leave him alone. He's like, I'm not bothering him. Then he starts laughing hysterically, and he hands him in a car that explains he has a mental condition that causes him to laugh uncontrollably. Two things. That mom's a dick. Yeah, she was a dick. She could clearly see that someone finally brought joy to her little boy's life. Yeah, it's a weird Joaquin Phoenix. Tensions are boiling over in Tensions Gotham City. Tensions are rising. It's, They're rising. It's the rising tension. They're boiling over. But I also like how they gave a medical reason for the laugh. Yeah, uh, it's called pseudobulbar effect. It's a rare condition consisting of uncontrollable laughter or crying. Yeah, he does get to a point of like looking like he's about to cry a few times. Yeah. Sure does. But it's a real thing. Joaquin Phoenix. It looks painful. Crushing it. It looks painful. Yeah, he does a really good job portraying, like, this is not what I want to be doing right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Laughing Tourette's. Pretty much. Basically. When he arrives home, mother of the year, Penny, played by Frances Conroy. Frances Conroy of Six Feet Under fame. Yes. She's so good on that show. She's very good on that show. I love that show. It's That's a very good show. Doesn't she play Barney's mother in How I Met Your Mother? She does. That's how we met that mother. She's also been in uh, American Horror Story. I have never I've seen never this lady seen, before in my life. I've never seen American Horror Story before. Well, uh, cool. This could have been Brian's grandmother <laughs> for all I knew. Penny used to work for Thomas Wayne and sends him letters regularly to try and better their living situation. Arthur and Penny watch their favorite talk show together, The Murray Franklin Show or uh, Late Night with Robert De Niro, whatever you want to call it. I call it uh, The King of Comedy, Martin Scorsese. Yup. Yep. That one. <laughs> That all that. Arthur imagines himself in the show and getting Murray's attention. In his fantasy, he charms the audience and Murray by telling him that he takes care of his mother. Murray invites Arthur on stage and tells him he'd be happy to have a kid like him. Aww. This whole scene was fascinating because I couldn't tell if this was a dream because of how long they stayed in it. Right. It was a long time. At a point, you're like, yeah, this is definitely a dream. But then the longer you're saying, you're like, 
Hold on a second. Hold is on it? a second. It's like the balls of Todd Phillips to say, let's stay in this thing for as long as we can and really start messing with your expectations. And I should have seen this. And I should have seen parts then. You should have seen parts then. Yeah, that was a little bit of foreshadowing. But I did not. He was just trying to be famous in his brain, in his broken brain. That's all it was. Yeah. And why wouldn't you want to live in that broken brain? Tensions are rising, guys. They're boiling over. The best place to be in a rising tension area is a broken brain. That's it. Everyone knows that. That's my credo. <laughs> At least you can <laughs> laugh about the, it. It's on the Betts family seal. At work, fellow clown co-worker Randall, played by Glenn Fleshler, famous Chechen mob boss from Barry, gives Arthur a gun. I've never seen Barry. Everyone says I should see Barry. Oh, Barry's very good. Anyway, Randall gives Arthur a gun after he hears about the mugging incident. Arthur didn't ask for it. Very important to note, Arthur did not ask for this gun. He gave it to him, and then shirtless, weird-ass looking Joaquin Phoenix is like, I don't know what to do with this thing. Right, exactly. And then Arthur is confronted by his boss, who simultaneously doesn't believe someone would steal a sign, and also that Arthur stole a sign. (laughs) Both those things, because character. (laughs) After work, he goes back home, I guess, and... He holds the elevator for his neighbor, Sophie Dumont, played by Zazie Beetz. Domino, right? Domino from Deadpool 2. Deadpool yeah. 2? And she's nice to him. Whoops. That's, she smiled at him. That yeah. was it. Yeah, that was the extent. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't be nice to him because he's going to have dirty, dirty dreams about you. Right. That's all it is. It's, right after dirty, he dirty bathes man. his mother and then accidentally shoots the wall while he's dancing. Right. He danced a lot. Dude really likes to dance. I want to talk about that later on, too. Okay. Dancing like nobody's watching, Dave. That's I hate you so much. Not while not while tensions are rising. The tensions are rising, guys. Boiling over. He spends the entire next day following Sophie around Gotham because she acknowledged his existence. Then later, she comes by his apartment and says, "Hey, were you following me?" He's like, "Yeah," but she's like, "Cool with it." So he invites her to a stand-up show. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't you be cool with it? Everybody likes a good stalker. That's true. The best type of stalker. Joaquin is the best. He's so good at it that you barely notice him peering out from underneath his hoodie all the time. <laughs> he should have wore a red hat. Oh, man. It's like watching like a bad version of Assassin's Creed. <laughs> like, he pulls the hood really far over and he's just staring around corners. Everyone's like, no, it's definitely you. Yeah, we it's see de- you. No You're one in this invisible. movie looks anything like you. It's you. You're the creep here. All he had to do was wave his hand in front of his face. He would have been fine. Ah, <laughs> uh, 1981. What a year to be alive. So then Arthur goes to work at a children's hospital to raise morale, because that's what you do at a children's hospital. You know what you don't do at a children's hospital? You don't bring a gun with you. I can you. think of a lot of things. But, you, shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't have Robin Williams with a red nose. That's true. Don't do Patch that. Adams style. Yep. That movie sucks. I want to be on record. Patch Adams sucks hard. Wow. Yeah, even though The Room's Greg Sestero is in the end scene of it, which is, that's pretty good for him, I guess, even though it's not the thing he's famous for. <laughs> good for him. Patch Adams, though. Piece of garbage. Well, hot take. Maybe? There it is. I don't think it is. I think it's widely regarded as a hot mess. It's still Robin Williams at the end of the day. That's true, which makes it like a lukewarm mess. (laughs) It's a high-energy disaster. So anyway, bringing a gun into a children's hospital is a big no-no, and he gets fired. Since when is that a no-no? He's trying to protect the kids. Right. I don't understand why this is all bad. He said it's part of his act. Right. It's part of my act. It's a real gun. Switch. How does that part of your act? That is insane. The you little know. flag comes out and it says bang. It's a clown prop. Oh, how good would that have been if that was the direction they went with it? Oh, that would have been sick. Kev, I'm going to call up Scott Silver and Todd Phillips. Tell them I got a scene you guys forgot to shoot. 
And that's going to be it. <laughs> if his gun was just not real the whole time. How would we know? You wouldn't know. We wouldn't. So anyway, Arthur gets fired and his boss tells him that Randall said he tried to buy a gun off him. But that's not how Randall's it happened a dick. Because Randall's a dick. Well, he is a che- Chechen mob boss. And Barry. On the subway ride home, three drunk young Wayne Enterprise bros are harassing a woman. Arthur starts laughing unintentionally and draws their attention. And then the lady takes off because she's smart. While he's in yeah, while he's in full clown everything. Oh, yeah. Full clown regalia coming from the children's hospital. The right. men mock Arthur and his laughter before they start to beat him relentlessly after yeah, seeing him sending the clowns. That, he's, got the, he's got the pew-pew in his pocket. But he's got a gun. So he shoots two of them dead in self-defense. And then he does something. It is self-defense, isn't it? There, there's, then he does something that's not so self-defense-y. No, I he, think it's murdery. Yeah, he basically Ben Affleck, uh, I can't be a good lawyer, he's the third guy. <laughs> Shot him right in the ass. Yeah, uh, or somewhere. Or Shut something like that. Either way, these Wall Street bros. Peace. Deuces. Oh, yeah. They're very See ya. dead. Did anybody else notice the nine gunshots that came out of a five or six round gun? Why were you counting shots? Who, Fifty-five who? million dollar movie, it's Kev. A, they cannot pay attention re- to that type of stuff. Re- it's a revolver. It didn't reload it. It just just I was like, all right. I was I was literally counting the shots. I'm like, all right, that's three. It's got three left, maybe. They can't they can't possibly have a continuity person on set uh, with that's, that that's small an easy of a one. budget. That's an easy <laughs> one. It doesn't make sense. Also, the last few shots didn't actually shoot. They have custom guns in Gotham. They sure do. It Nine is. round revolvers. Maybe the first two shots were in his head? His broken brain? Could be. I don't know. He didn't hit. I mean, he barely would have hit him in the shin or something like that the first time. Yeah. What's actually real? We don't know. Oh, and we'll We'll get there. You, and you pair that with rising tensions? They're boiling, They're boiling over. over. Who knows? Who knows what's real? So anyway, Arthur does what anybody does after killing three bros for the first time. He runs. Michael Sarah style. Exactly. Not or Johnny whatever. Depp. Not Johnny Depp. Possibly. Possibly Kramer. Possibly Kramer. I've never. Well, I've seen Kramer run, I guess, but it's not memorable right now. Well, you got to get into character. If you want to run like Kramer, you got to get into character. Just take a deep breath. <sighs> These pretzels are making me thirsty, and then run, and then just take <laughs> off. That's it. Perfect. And yell, Jerry! <laughs> <laughs> so he arrives in a dirty public restroom, and just when you think, oh, he's going to stash the gun, he uh, dances. Yeah, like no one's watching. God damn it, Kev. <laughs> then he goes home and knocks on Sophie's door, and they totally make out while he's in full clown makeup, probably still covered in blood. Yeah. Hot. Hot, right? Yeah. That's a thing on... The internet no one's ever Googled. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Right? No, it's definitely been Googled. Actually. Dave Novak. Don't Besides know. the ginger skull Dave Novak, who is Googled clown making out with neighbor covered in blood? That's a solid question. Uh, I actually think Stephen has that one. bookmarked on Pornhub. He, uh, he, it's not his favorite stab. I, I bet number one psychic superfan definitely has just clown on clown somewhere. Oh, straight up clown on clown? Nose honking. I think so. Ooh, hot. I think so. It, it's kind of like a Juggalo versus Normie. Normie clown. I'm not into it as soon as you said Juggalo. I mean, I wasn't into it to start <laughs> with, but... Still. But it, it makes it worse with Juggalos. Actually, interesting fact. Pornhub revealed that there have been 741,000 searches for Joker since the movie came out in October. Holy shit. <laughs> so the news of the three murders spreads. 
and it's seen as an attack on the wealthy, given the civil unrest and the you know rising. Because tensions. these guys had ties, they're suddenly wealthy. They're like young kids. They kind yeah. of looked like frat boys, like Harvard frat boys. They wore they, a tie. They're the super rich. They were Wall Street bros. You know, whatever the Gotham equivalent of Wall Street is. <laughs> William Street. Yeah. Uh, sure. That's was a street sign in the movie. There's a lot of things that happen in William Street in Batman movies. Apparently, I didn't read the article. Go ahead, Google it. Tell me what it said. <laughs> Thomas Wayne speaks out and condemns the actions. Obviously, it's murder. Labeling the lower class as clowns, which becomes a symbol they embrace because of the tension. Why would you... Yeah, but they're, they're rising. They're boiling over. But right. why would you possibly label these guys as clowns after a clown just killed these three guys? Because pun what is intended. Poor decision-making skills? What does Thomas Wade do? We still don't know. We, we'll never know. He has a whole foundation. He has a whole company. And he, yet he's still just a doctor. He's a doctor, a surgeon, a mayor. He's, I don't know. He does everything. He's the Tootsie Pop of characters in the DC universe. The world may never know. Later, Arthur's social worker tells him that her funding isn't cut and Arthur will no longer be receiving his medication, which, like, that can't be legal, right? I mean, where is he going to get it from? Dr. Phil? Dr. Phil's not a real doctor. Maybe I, Dr. I noticed Quinn. that when Bam Margera went on. We all noticed that. <laughs> so Arthur goes to the comedy club for his performance, and it doesn't really go great. Did you know that's the name of the comedy club? I did. Kind of creepy, right? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, sometimes you name a comedy club after John Wayne Gacy. Pogo's yeah, Comedy uh, Club. Famous clown killer, John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. Wink. Ding. Because of his nerves, he's laughing so hard that he can barely speak. When he finally gets going, Sophie is the only person who's laughing at his jokes because Sophie. She there. showed up. Yeah, they're they're like a thing. Kev, there's obviously. so many he questions. Invited, there's he, so many questions in this movie. He invited her. I mean, why would she not go? Yeah, and she got that clown makeup dick down. Possibly. It's like a rainbow party, but it's just all white. I guess. Like maybe. I don't know. He had like red lips. May, uh, so you're saying the, the deep down, like uh, the, the the pelvic reef. We're not going to do this. Go nope. On. Nope. <laughs> Excited after his great date with with Sophie, he goes home and dances with Mom of the Year, and then puts her to bed. But he's she got such a weird relationship with mother. I had like big Norman Bates things going on with his mom here. It's oh yeah, odd. Like, it's very she odd. Definitely doesn't do anything, but she definitely could. What do you mean? Like she's bedridden, but she can also just dance. What she, do you mean? <laughs> like she, what? Do you, I, She's such an odd character because she's writing these letters to Thomas Wayne and she keeps saying, I wrote another letter. I wrote another letter. I wrote another letter here. It's like, is that her only purpose is to try to reach out to Thomas Wayne other than kind of show something's off about her? Yeah, she is a little bit weird. She's a lot of bit weird. But But she's basically the the Grandpa Joe of this. (laughs) She doesn't get out of the bed. She absolutely does. She goes over to the couch. So does Grandpa Joe. That kind of helps. Grandpa Joe. Let's talk about Grandpa Joe for a second. Sure. Motherfucker's laying in bed until the golden ticket comes and he goes, chocolate, bitch? Yeah, I'm up. I'm up, absolutely. (laughs) And the whole time you could have been working to help the starving family? Pretty fucked up. I don't get it. And he's like a beloved character. I don't He is. I just don't get it. Seems like kind of a dick. You have the the other grandpa in there with his Coke bottle glasses. Yeah, he's fucked. He legitimately probably can't do anything. No. He's confused. Always. Grandpa Joe, though. Oh, God damn it. The second. I don't want to. You know what? I'm mad. I'm mad at Charlie now. Charlie the Chocolate <laughs> Willy Wonka. Which one's which? Charlie the Chocolate Factory remember. is the Johnny Depp version. Is Willy it? Willy Wonka is the original. The original one. Yeah, Gene Wilder version. This is complicated. 
Yeah, I do the same thing. Who knew we were going to go down that rabbit hole? I saw it coming a mile away. <laughs> because it's a. It's Did a, you say I rabbit hole because of Alice in Wonderland? No. Same character for Johnny Depp, pretty much. Wow, this is a Tim Burton heavy episode. Did not see that coming. But Speaking he does Tim Burton. Run have like you that. seen Batman? <laughs> have you seen Pee Wee? <laughs> Nobody has. <laughs> he said the word. Sweet Jesus. Arthur's mom tells him to mail out her most recent letter to Thomas Wayne. But instead, Arthur opens it and reads the letter, which kind of says like, hey, Arthur is your son, bro. It doesn't kind of say that. Only a few things are underlined. And hey, he's he's your, your son, bro, is underlined. And <laughs> God damn it, movie. <laughs> There's so much reading to do in this movie. But then that's the thing they choose to underline. Well, you try to. Re- the funny thing is, as they pop that up, you try and read as much as you can. And they why cut, they the cut, underline just draws your eye? Well, you they just cut, go, but they cut so much of it off that you bro. can't really read it. And then obviously they get their point across of what you, they want you to read. Holy shit! This annoyed me to no end. This is the it's we're in Act Two here, and it's like now I'm going to treat you like an idiot audience. I'm going to all of a sudden feed yeah. you. I didn't care for that at all. That's fair. The next day at Wayne Manor, Arthur meets Bruce Wayne. He's a little kid. He's a little boy. Little Brucey. Tiny little Bruce. Uh, Arthur does some magic tricks and sticks his fingers in the kid's mouth, as you do. That's, uh, well, it's a Jerry Sandusky move. But that's, that's probably, <laughs> also one of those, probably also one of those search categories that people look up. Without a doubt. Did you notice what Bruce did before that, though? What did he do? He was in like a treehouse or whatever he was in. Oh, right? you're right. He jumped down the bat pole. He sure did. To get down he from this thing. Slid down the pole. That is, I didn't catch that. That's kind of a nice little wink. Ding. I liked it. But then he got male fingers in his mouth, and that's weird. Right. So he slid that's... down the pole and then got fingers in his mouth. Oh, right, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, I said it's Jerry Sandusky already. Just, uh, just reading Kevin's search history. <laughs> you should really delete things. Clown oh, sticking fingers in child's mouth. <laughs> You're a teacher. I better what not have a knock doing? at my door later. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you teach finger painting or pottery or whatever it is? Not very funny. A lot of finger stuff there. Mm. Alfred comes to intervene and tells Arthur to leave. Arthur mentions his mother and her involvement with Thomas, but Alfred's like, she's crazy, and he doesn't like that. So he tries to like strangle him through the, the gate, but he's like, oh, I shouldn't do that because Bruce is watching. I didn't take it at that all. I took it as... As he had to run away, Joaquin didn't want to kill this guy because he's like, I don't know what to do if I do kill this guy. <laughs> then people will know. That's fair. I can see that. I took it as he doesn't want to kill him in front of Bruce. Does he I, call? I does he call him Alfred? Bruce. I don't think they call him Alfred. It's understood. I didn't, it's Alfred. I kind of thought that's who it was, but I didn't necessarily know. He doesn't uh, look as Alfredy as other Alfreds. They never he's say young Alfred. Technically, yeah, exactly. I guess. I mean, if Bruce is still a boy, then Alfred's got to be younger. Yeah, this guy, Douglas Hodge, not my Alfred. No, not my Alfred either. He's not snarky enough. But then again, there was a clown with his fingers in Bruce's mouth. (laughs) He doesn't have the time to be snarky. (laughs) You probably go pretty no-nonsense in that situation. You cut the snark? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the time to cut the snark. His adult man-child mouth? Yeah, you snark cut. I just wish they could have brought him back for some snark. Post-credit scene. It's just Alfred saying snarky things that we missed. Two police detectives, Burke and Garrity go to Arthur's apartment to question him on the subway murders for obvious reasons. All the obvious reasons. But he wasn't there, and the officers sent Penny into a fit of hysteria. The mom. The mom mom of the year, yeah, yeah. So later at the hospital, they question Arthur, and he denies his involvement, obviously. 
And then Sophie sits with him as he tends to his mother. Yeah, this is all just moving along swimmingly. This is a right. plot. He's avoiding suddenly. getting caught somehow. <laughs> By Kurt Russell and Ron Jeremy. That, yep, that's those two. They're wow. very famously in this movie <laughs> as cops. <laughs> I see it. I told you. While he's in the hospital, Murray's show comes on and starts playing a clip of his stand-up routine. Quick and question for you. Yeah. Did you notice Live with Murray Franklin? Did you notice the font? I did not. The font is directly lifted from Batman the Animated Series. Oh, well, that's fantastic. There are so many winks and dings and nods and everything in this thing. Oh, yeah. It there's, is there's chock a lot. full. They are super subtle for the most part, though. A the, lot of them are. It's not like a, it's not heavy wings. Right. It's not an exaggerated wink. But for the keen-eyed, no. there are a lot. Arthur sneaks into a theater event under the cover of protesters and tries to confront Thomas Wayne where else? The urinal. Yeah, but this theater event is specific because one of the major themes of this movie is uh, his mom calls him happy, always smiling, yada, yada. The song Smile plays over a lot of stuff. And then, boom, at this theater event, Modern Times is playing. Charlie Chaplin. You got a little tramp in there. You sure do. But at the end of Modern Times, you get the song Smile for the first time, written by Charlie Chaplin. That's a pretty neat little touch. That is. That's a that's a good little uh, wink ding. Right. I, th- I thought, and, and and just me maybe, but like watching the way they was filmed, it felt very Lincoln-ish. Like him sitting in the, I'm like, is he going to sneak up behind him in the balcony and shoot him? Because I was like, he kind of has some revenge, but that's a, really made me feel that way. It's sort of revenge, but that's his daddy. Maybe. Yeah, he's obviously going to be obsessed with this guy now that he knows that he is dad. Yeah, but in the bathroom. What happens in the bathroom? In the bathroom, Arthur mentions his mom, Penny, and Thomas says, oh, she's delusional and that there was no way Arthur could be his son, which kind of makes Arthur upset. But then he also reveals that he's adopted. Yeah, but then Arthur also says, come on, man, look at us. <laughs> and you're like, oh, they do you're not wrong, them. Arthur. Yeah. You're yeah. not wrong. <laughs> they got that like nose, that big nose that's going on right there. It's very specific. It is a very so, specific trait, yeah. but they do have a similar look. They do, and let's talk about that later. Later, later. So not cool with the knowledge being dropped that he was adopted, he starts uncontrollably laughing in Thomas's face, as you do. As you do. But in that situation, from Thomas's perspective, uh, the next logical step is to punch this man in the face, and that's what he does. That's typically how that escalates, yes. And then he says, if you ever touch my fucking son again, I'll kill you, or something like that's that. That's also a good daddy move. Say, yeah. Keep your fingers out of my son's mouth. In or around his I shouldn't mouth. have to say this, but I'm going to say <laughs> this. This should be a thing you know, but your mom's cuckoo pants, so. Right. Back at home, Arthur receives a phone call from a rep from Murray's show, and he's invited to appear as a guest. Apparently, the clip was getting lots of, they're getting lots of calls about the clip, and they're like, we should have this guy on here and make fun of him in person. Yeah, 1981's a hell of a time. Um, all those people probably saw it on YouTube in 1981. Yeah, yes. for sure. Exactly. On the VHS that is YouTube. You, or you send out a thing six to eight weeks later, you get a video, <laughs> then you watch it. And you. I don't know if you send it back. I don't know how it worked then. I wasn't alive. Were they mailing letters in? You just got to make sure that they it saw this, this clip? No, they were just CODs. And who was That's recording it. the show at the comedy club? Were they uh, the Pony the Express. The uh, Pony Express, very famous for pirating videos yes. back in the day. Seeking some very kind famous. of proof of his whole parental situation, Arthur goes to Arkham State Hospital and speaks to a clerk who happens to have a file on his mother. How convenient. Hey, how about that? After 
He reads to Arthur that she was diagnosed with delusional psychosis and narcissistic personality disorder. He decides that he can't give Arthur the file. <laughs> it's one of those, like, I'm going to tell you all the spark notes of your fucking batshit crazy mom. But, then, but I can't give you this. So Arthur snatches it and runs away to read it. And he finds out that Thomas was telling the truth. He barely runs away, though. He just goes to a stairwell within this building. It's yeah. not hard to find this guy. Also, just listen for the laughs. He's Done. very good at evasive gotcha. maneuvers, apparently. Oh, that's going to come in handy, Joker. Well, the guy was locked behind a screen. I mean, he can't really just jump out and go after him. There's lots of people that could have gone after Where? him. Where? I've seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. There's always someone. <laughs> anyway, that clerk was played by Brian Tyree Henry, who we will see again in Eternals. Exciting. Yeah. That's a thing. Connected universe. It's not. It's nope, not. Nope. Not even a little bit. So Mom of the Year Penny adopted Arthur, and then he was found <laughs> you abandoned. Say Mom of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> so Mom of the Year Penny adopted Arthur after he was found abandoned and allowed his abuse at the hands of her boyfriend, who tied him to a radiator and beat him. Hence the brain damage. File also mentions a head injury, which is most likely what caused Arthur's laughing condition. Duh. Seems funny enough to me, right? <laughs> Depressed and extra giggly, Arthur goes back home and walks into Sophie's apartment. She sees him and is terrified, asking him to leave for the sake of her daughter. Turns out that every other moment she's been in the movie was just in Arthur's head. Whoa! That one kind of, that, that definitely got me. Uh, first I definitely time did definitely not see that coming. Me. Really? Yeah, Yet? it got me the first time. Oh, God, the whole thing I kept going through was like, no, this lady Sophie, she seems like a, like a 10 here, and Arthur is... Nothing close to that. She could definitely do better. I kept going, what the fuck is wrong with her? What the hell is wrong with her? Is that how <laughs> fucked up Gotham is right now? Tensions I mean, are I, rising, Kevin. I know tensions are Boiling rising. over. I know. Is it that bad that she's settling into that white face paint? Maybe. Uh, I mean, maybe it was the, the, the blood in the... Yeah. Now Arthur's been off his meds for quite a while. He goes to the hospital and tells his mom that he thought his life was a tragedy, but now he realizes it's a fucking comedy, and he commits matricide. Not like How Mickey in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, like proper matricide. He smothered Penny <laughs> to death. He took he took the label off of his mom. He cut the label off his mom. <laughs> so he smothers her while yeah. she's wearing an oxygen thing. So if she's wearing the oxygen, what is a nose piece? I don't know. Called? That's a bad CPAP if that's the case. So she's Kevin, wearing this oxygen thing. When did you get the so whole time observant? Like it's random crap. I was like, see, I'm like, <laughs> if she has the thing in her nose for, and uh, the funny thing is, I rewound it because I'm like, well, maybe it fell out. No, it was in no, there when still, he takes the pillow still up. It's it still there, there. so she still getting oxygen. Huh. Maybe he kinked the hose while he was holding the pillow. That's exactly oh, what he sure. did. It was very, very. You know, it's like when you maneuver. fold the garden hose so you can like go do something. Right, and, and then he let it go, and all the air hit her in the face at once. Yep. <laughs> right. Maybe she's playing dead because she's crazy. Yeah, maybe she's going six feet under. Naturally, and great show. Same scene, same scene. <laughs> How come when she's being smothered, her heart rate on the heart rate monitor never goes up? You're being smothered, but your heart rate stays the same. It just kind of turns off. You've never killed someone in the hospital before? I mean, but it's beep, beep. Nah, it, th- it doesn't beep, do the whole flatline thing. That's a movie. No, but thing. not even like that's a, flat, a movie. But thing. it doesn't. Your heart rate goes up as you're struggling to breathe. No. It didn't go up. It did <laughs> go, go up a man. little bit. Maybe it's old. It doesn't work. I don't know. No, the tensions are rising. It's boiling I, over. It's I, not gonna. It's not gonna. Maybe she's dead. already dead. We don't yeah, know. She's <laughs> maybe. already so tense. She already boiled over. Right. Maybe she's been dead. The maybe whole he smothered time. a Bruce dead body. Bruce Willis is gonna come out and he's talking to Bruce Wayne child and it's a whole sixth sense universe that we never knew existed. Absolutely. 
So naturally, Arthur's going to go home to study other Murray Show interviews to prepare for his appearance. Not just he... any show. Did you notice who the guest was? I uh, did not. Mr. Justin Thoreau. Oh. Wasn't his name in that, but that was the person who was on screen. Another cameo. Well, what do you know? We're cameoing all over the place. Arthur decides to commit suicide in front of the live audience. But first, he has to dye his hair green and, of course, dance. Yeah, he practices on the couch how he's going to set up a joke for Murray and then he's going to blast himself. Knock, knock. While painting his face white for his appearance on the talk show, Arthur is visited by his former clown co-workers, Randall and Gary. Why would Randall come to visit this guy after publicly? Joaquin Phoenix is like, motherfucker, you, you, you and the gun. It's you. I don't, I don't get it. They, want to bring, makes they just want to bring him booze. Gary, though. Let's talk about Gary for a second. Let's talk about Gary. Gary's a fucking sweetheart. Gary's the best. He's so good. He seems like a, such a nice guy for being a little person. Not saying little people are mean. I was just, just saying say, that he seems like, like a really like nice enough? guy. <laughs> he happens to be a little person. Yeah. I believe that Gary is there to offer uh, Arthur his condolences on his mom's death. I believe that too. Little but person. Randall is definitely going to find out what he said to the cops. Yes. And I think and, Randall wants to watch Arthur like wiggle, wiggle a little bit. Maybe yeah. Add that dance. to his weird clown spank bank or something like that. I don't know what Randall does. We've all got time. one. We do. It's true. But Randall sucks, man. Arthur snaps and brutally stabs Randall twice in the face for smashing his head against the wall. Yeah, he kills fucking Randall. Good. He kills him. And Gary's Good. freaking out. Yeah, Gary. Little adorable Gary in the corner there. He's, he doesn't know what's going on. Right. And Arthur's like, Gary, you can go. You're a nice dude. I like you. Gary, you're a good dude. Can you give him a little kiss on can, the head? Can, 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 you re- can you reach the latch for me? I can't reach it. I, I I like how he legitimately lets Gary go. It's it's almost like he has like his own. You're always nice to this. me, Gary. Yeah. His own set of morals. Right. It's like a small bit of humanity still somewhere in there. Somewhere. But then Arthur, now in full Joker makeup, dances his way down a stairway. You've seen the pictures. Joker's here, baby! He is here. What do you guys think of this Joker now that he's finally here? He's really cool looking. Yeah. I definitely dig it. He's very homemade. Very, which yeah. is great. I like the little touches to like Cesar Romero and Jack Nicholson with the color scheme with yep. the purple suit. But even like the face paint, you know, obviously it's the same nod because obviously Ledger wore the mask that was very similar to that too. So, which was a nod, uh, nod to Romero. So it's just kind of cool. Nice continuum between the- all the jokers, all them jokes. Yes. All yeah. of the jokes. Yeah. As Arthur is dancing down the stairway. The ex- first- insanely iconic stairway scene now. Oh, absolutely. It's actually a location in Google Maps. I think that this is one of those weird, amazing moments in cinema history where something just becomes an icon. Like this is this the the shot that I think of whenever I think of this movie now is seeing this like jubilant Joker dancing on these stairs. I never knew the song that played behind it from the still, obviously. Right. Holy Big shit, is this about a good it. scene? It's a lot like Threebs McGeebs in the doorway. Exactly. But you know, this one's but but good. No, that one's great too. But <laughs> this one's better. As he's dancing down the stairway, Burke and Garrity find him and chase him into the subway where dozens of other Gotham citizens are dressed up like clowns after being right, inspired by the murders. Because the Great Clown Riot of 1981. Yeah, uh, you don't remember that? It's in the, all the history books. But all these clowns are gathering because they're doing a whole protest of against the rich and yada, yada, yada. 
Yeah, because uh, fuck the rich. It's like an Occupy Wall Street, but with a point. <laughs> As the detectives pursue Arthur, a protester gets in the way, and Detective Burke accidentally shoots him. The clowns pull the detectives off the subway and start beating them, allowing Arthur to get away. He's real slippery. He's all greased up with all that paint. I do enjoy that he steals a Joker mask and puts it over himself. That was pretty yeah, cool, too. pretty neat. It was pretty good. And then after he takes it off, when he knows he's scot-free, he takes he does the little dance again. Walking yeah. Phoenix, man. He's so good in this. Oh, he's great. At the TV station, Arthur meets Murray and Mark Maron. It is Mark Maron, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I don't even know if he has a character <laughs> name. He's just Mark Maron. Lock the gates! That Before Mark he Maron. goes on, Arthur asks Murray to introduce him as the Joker, since that's what Murray called him when he was playing his clip. What do you think of, of De Niro as a late show host? It's so interesting. I think it's a cool pick. Oh, absolutely. I get the Scorsese angle that they're going for here with the whole king of comedy. That's what they're setting up. It's no secret here. What would happen if Scorsese directed this movie? I think this is the appropriate time to talk about it. He would have to watch it. Yeah, but this is the one that Scorsese didn't direct. This is what kind of set him off on his anger. Right. Right? Well, I don't know. He was set to be uh, executive producer, I believe, and he pulled out. And then, well, Bradley Cooper was actually the one who really did a lot of the work on this thing. Oh, yeah. Bradley Cooper was the one who replaced Scorsese. That's such an odd transition there. Very. What do you think would have happened if Scorsese was involved in this project? Hmm. We probably wouldn't have had to sift through days and days of articles about people going, no, it's cinema. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) I can't see Joker at a theme park. That's what it is. This movie is just so disconnected from all of that. If you if it wasn't the Joker and it was just a character, it wouldn't hold any bearings to fitting in with other superhero movies as they label them. We'll get there. Murray asks Arthur if his clown makeup has political agendas behind it, and Arthur's like, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in anything. Good old-fashioned nihilism. It's the best! So Arthur goes out from behind the curtain, gracefully dancing across the set. He's a dancer. He's not human, he's Dancer. And he tells Murray a joke that's a little too dark for Murray's audience. And when confronted you, with this... About the left, drunk driver? You, you, left the drunk out the driver. Big, you left out the big kiss. Oh, yeah. He uh, he kisses somebody who's supposed to be Dr. Ruth, I guess. Uh, sure. Dr. Sally. awkwardly long amount of time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a character. He's definitely having it up. Oh, big time. Then he goes and confesses to the subway murders. To and which Murray, they keep recording, because 1981, Right. Yes. Well, <laughs> Murray and the audience realize that he's being serious, because they think it's a joke at first. But once they realize he's serious, I think Murray is like, oh, this is going to be a big scoop. I'm going to interview him. Because Mark Maron's like, cut. Well, you got to get out of here. And uh, Right. But Murray's like, let's keep going. That is so interesting to me. That that didn't sit right with me of watching this. How De Niro is really trying to get in his head, like, what, did, what were you trying to gain by doing this? Right. What did you well, think was going to happen? He was trying but to then Arthur starts, or right, but then Arthur starts coming after, after De Niro here, and he's De Niro's just like, you don't know me, pal. Right. Like starting to get defensive about it. Yeah. He, uh, Arthur argues that the audience only cares for the victims because Thomas Wayne spoke for them, but anybody else, like Arthur, he ignored and walked over. Exactly. As Murray and the audience grow angrier, so does Arthur. And then it comes to a head. It does, because Arthur's got one final joke. Yeah. Ahead, ahead, was that foreshadowing, Brian? <laughs> Brian foreshadowed, big time. But yeah, yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's for Brian. Brian heavy-handed himself. <laughs> That's a first. 
Murray scolds Arthur, and it escalates into Arthur telling one last joke. What do you get when you cross a mentally ill loner with society that abandons him and treats him like trash? What do you get, Bri? You get what you fucking deserve. Bang! He, he shoots him right in the noggin. On yeah, that's TV. a dead De Niro. That is, uh, and they don't shy away from that shot at all. No, they just leave it hanging there. Arthur is arrested and taken in by the police, or he is being taken in by the police. And he looks out the window of the police car and laughs gleefully as he sees the destruction he has caused. Right. In a shot that is extremely reminiscent of The Dark Knight, where Big you have the time. steady cam on the the cop car. Obviously, no one's hanging out the window here. Right. But still. Gotham has been overrun by rioting citizens dressed as clowns. When suddenly a clown in an ambulance runs into the car, killing the cops and freeing Arthur, who is injured and unconscious. While this is happening, the Waynes are leaving a movie theater to find the chaos in the streets. All this is unnecessary in this movie. This movie's over in my mind. This movie this could have ended in the cop car. It, uh, I think after after Joker stands on top of the cop car and he's all, behold me, I'm the Joker. Yeah, That's, I mean, well, that, that should hasn't be the happened end. yet, so it hasn't ended yet. Uh, well, still. I Keep going, because I'm about to get real angry. Okay. The Waynes leave the movie theater to find the chaos in the streets. Thomas takes Martha and Bruce into the alley, but a rioter follows them and tells Thomas he's getting what he deserves. Yeah, this totally changes the lore, even though the lore never really existed within this movie. Yeah, well, he shoots Thomas and Martha in front of Bruce. Like, you know, it happens in every origin story for Batman ever. More blood splatter on the face. Sure. Yeah, oh, obviously. And then Joker finds himself surrounded by a mob of cheering clowns as he comes to. And he stands in the police car and dances, spreading a clown smile across his face with his own End blood. of movie. Not. Could be. But wait, there's more. Joker is locked up in Arkham. So he, he escaped, and then he got caught again, and then he escaped. I don't know. He laughs. I don't know. He laughs, and his new social worker is like, what's so funny? And he's like, ah, you wouldn't get it. And then, then he leaves the room, and he's got a trail of bloody footprints while he's being chased by orderlies. And that's sure. the movie. Right. That's Joker 2019. What just happened? Except for his third step, it's not bloody. Uh, all third steps are not bloody, Kev. Kill someone yeah, once everybody in a while. You'll knows know that. that. You'll know that. I am so torn on this movie. Is it because of the ending? The ending really annoyed the hell out of me because it felt so forced in a way that didn't need to feel forced of, is this an origin or is this a fever dream? What are we doing here? Are we trying right. to tell a story or are we uh, and try to get to a point where we're going to create a villain within some sort of comic universe, or are we doing a Jacob's Ladder? Make up your mind movie. You cannot have it both ways. doesn't make sense. I felt like the ending was just forced in there. Yeah, the whole Arkham thing, because then in theory, you could drop it back and say like, oh, he's been in Arkham since he went to visit Arkham or something like that. You could even say this whole movie doesn't ever exist. Right. If you really, really want to. If you wanted to argue it, you could, yeah. It's not a hard argument to make. What are we watching here? What's actually happening here? Oh, uh, we just have really, a really unreliable narrator. You, he's extremely unreliable, but he's not even the narrator. That's the thing. We don't get anything that's telling us, like, this is his story. He's telling us this story. We're watching him. Well, I don't know. He's in every scene, so it could be his story. It never cuts away from his perspective. Correct. I don't know. I feel so uneasy, like, actually talking they about it. They tricked you thing. a couple of times, so you're you're not going to trust them very much. No, but there's a lot of things that lead to distrust in this movie also, and a lot of it has to revolve around the cinematography. A good one. Lawrence Sure. He's got a still photography background. He's done a whole bunch of shit in terms of being director of photography. 
including The Hangover, including like Garden State and Godzilla right. and all that stuff. He's been around. He does some really neat camera tricks in this movie. The one that was most notable to me was at the beginning with the broken sign that broke too early when he gets all beat up and Arthur's laying there all, I'm all Arthur and I'm beaten up, whatever yeah. it is. He does a tilt shift, which is a really, really cool camera trick where you have the focus in the center of whatever right. you're looking at. Yeah. But then you have a lack of focus going around that object. And it's used mostly for locations and sets. And it's used to make things look miniature. And Instagram. Exactly. <laughs> but here, it's used on a person, which is nuts. Because it makes the person now look like he's a miniature. And in cinematography terms, it's making this person look the way he feels, which is small in this world. It's yeah. a genius move. It's brilliant. But then at the same time, you have other little camera tricks that he pulls off where he's mimicking Stanley Kubrick moves with having different symmetrical shots where you have straight on shots. But then you also have like a Clockwork Orange or 2001. Everything just lines up and everything feels balanced. Yeah, I agree. Right. But in this, everything feels balanced. But then there's something small thrown in there to make it right. feel There's off a balanced. little bit of chaos in there that. It's, and it's usually nothing significant except it might be like a like a, a street lamp or something like that or just a light or an IV when he's in the hospital. Right. It's the littlest things that just, just make you feel like to make this it is uneasy. balanced, but there's something off. Lauren Schur deserves an Oscar for what he pulled off in this thing. It is so well shot. Even this tiny little close-ups of the gun in the bag, all these things oh, have... Yeah. This, this like shallow depth of field. It's so nice, man. Everything is so nice. Yeah, it is. He a is so good. Todd Phillips movie. deserves a lot of credit for the way he directed this, but Lawrence sure should shine in this thing. Yeah, he is nominated for Best Cinematography. It's deserved. It's yeah. fully deserved. I hope he wins, but there's other great stuff out there this year. This is a tough year. It is. There's a lot of good stuff happening. Like the lighthouse. Sorry, Sean. <laughs> But I think the big thing to talk about here is Joker himself. We have a lot of Jokers that exist within our world. Yeah. Now we have a Joaquin Phoenix. We have a Heath Ledger. We have a Jack Nicholson. We have a Jared Leto. We have a Zach Galifianakis. Don't forget it. That's true. <laughs> we have a Jack Nicholson. <laughs> and we have a Cesar Romero. Right. And a Mark Hamill. That's Fucking true. goddamn right we do. Where do you think this Joker falls? In terms of Jokers, Heath Ledger is looked at as probably the best one that's existed. I don't think it changes that personally. You don't think so? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know if I think I think better. for different reasons. I mean, I guess it kind of depends on what you like in your Joker, because this Joker is a lot less comic book. He's not right, comic he's book at all. Much, that's what I mean. He's definitely grounded in reality. He is, but it's one of those things of where you have we we've seen a Joker origin before, and it's called the Killing Joke. Alan Moore wrote it. Right. Unnamed character. He's trying to become a stand-up comedian. He ends up falling with a bad crowd, becomes the Red Hood, falls into whatever vat, and he now he's a Joker. Yeah, that's usually the way it goes. There's some acid involved. This one doesn't have that. No. Does this is a very not. different Joker. Totally different. His, uh, his acid is the rising tensions bubbling over. Exactly. I think... <laughs> I society think bubbling over. This is the farthest disconnected Joker we have. This is a Joker. Oh, I'm inclined that at the end there. I'm like, he is Joker. 
I know there's a lot of fan theories out there that say like this isn't a Joker. This sets up other Jokers like in the future where Joker's maybe like a passed on name or something like that because Bruce Wayne is now 30 years younger than Joker or something nuts like yeah, that. Yeah, that was way yeah. off. That yeah, doesn't make any sense. He'd have to be like 70 by the time he's Batman. What is this Joker? I know Todd Phillips said like, yeah, we named him Arthur Fleck. But which is a nothing name. But he's also right. adopted, so maybe that's not really his name. Doesn't matter. Joker's unnamed. What is this character? He might be Batman's half brother. We don't know for sure. But at the same time, is it okay for Todd Phillips to say, "Hey, I'm going to create an entirely new thing for one of the most strangely beloved characters within the DC universe?" Yeah, why the and hell just say, not? Let's roll with it. It doesn't doesn't make it canonical because it does have the DC logo at the end. Let's not forget this is a DC movie. Right. But I think it's a standalone thing. It's not connected to anything else. If Todd Phillips can do this with this type of character and this type of story, what's to stop anyone else from doing this with any other character? The way the public receives it? What's that have to do with anything? Well, I think if, you know, somebody's like, oh, well, I'm going to make a Batman that was bit by a radioactive bat, and the public goes, no, I don't <laughs> want that, then they're obviously not going to make more of that. But they had made one of that already. I mean, this movie made bank. Let's oh, not. Time. It is the it number made one. Big, big bank. R rated movie of all time. Right. $55 million budget. We saw that already because the cheap, the cheapness with the continuity and the broken signs early on. Yeah. Yeah. It did break a billy. It made a billy and it wasn't in China. Correct. I think that this movie is a bit of a cop out in terms of storytelling. You think so? It's a very good movie, but when you look at it and you slap the DC logo on it, it makes it sort of canonical. I don't know that it does. I think it kind of has to. You can't just say, I'm the character created by or whatever like that. I feel like this is now canonical, and that's a problem. I mean, is it a problem? They've rebooted Batman a hundred times. They've rebooted Batman a hundred times, but they've never changed the backstory of Batman. This actually fully changes the backstory of Batman because every time with Batman, it's been something like a Joe chill in the sure. alley and he's ki- It's a robbery gone awry in this one. It's you're going to get what you fucking deserve. It's cold blood and murder. Right, this is but- entirely different than anything we've ever seen in terms of Batman lore. Yeah, but I don't have a problem with that. Not everything has to be the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, No, I'm saying, do you not have a... It doesn't... It's not in terms of fucking universe, Brian. This is in terms of comic books. This is going much, much deeper. This is Bob Kane stuff. This is much deeper than saying Marvel Cinematic Universe. But how many different stories have already been written? Right. A ton of stories have already been written, but nothing's gone this far off of what the actual lore is. This changed the entire motivation of what Batman's doing here. He's not going against a robbery gone awry and he's rising up from that. He's going against cold-blooded murder. This is entirely different. Did they continue that in the Batman movie they're making now? Who knows? It's not out yet, Kevin. I mean, wasn't he going against cold-blooded murder in 89 Batman too? In 89 Batman, it was it was the Jack Nicholson when he went up against him. What what was the I remember Jack Nicholson pointing the gun saying dance you ever with the dance devil, with the devil, devil, devil moonlight. Devil, moonlight. Yada, yada, yada. Him, yeah. Was he trying to rob him? Was he I don't know. Rob Robbery versus murder is very different. I don't think they ever confirm one way or another what it is. I'm okay going back and watching that and Batman every day of the week if I have to. But this did not sit right with me in terms of Batman lore. Well, I mean, that's fair. I really, like, after watching it, was like, the only thing that was Batman movie about it was them throwing the Thomas Wayne getting shot at the end. Like, That's fine with me. It just didn't feel like, I, I mean, I kind of mentioned earlier... If this wasn't 
Joker, if they just named it something else, it, it wouldn't be a comic book movie. The only ties it has are like name similarities. And then that throw in scene at the end. That's the only real similarities for me. I mean, what else do you have? The makeup, I mean, and we get it, but you could do any makeup and it would just be a deranged psychopath. So now the question is, do you throw this character that they've created? Because of obviously, I mean, you, you make a, a significant amount of money. Do you try to draw that hype in and do they throw it into a into a Batman movie that's coming out? I'm not sure they do. Well, they might do that, but no, I, don't I know do that. that Joaquin Phoenix and Todd Phillips very, very clearly said, we're not doing a sequel. Right. Well- and then they said, we're doing a sequel. <laughs> we're going to do it. Yeah. Actually, I think the most recent news on it was that Phillips has discussed the possibility of a sequel with Warner Brothers, but it's not in development. But it's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. But what would it look like? Because you don't really know where they're going to go with it. Right. It's I not think- like it's rooted in, in one story and they kind of followed this book, but they can go to this comic book. I mean, there were subtle hints at like Ratcatcher and this thing in Riddler. But- yeah. There were, yeah, there, there was a uh, there, there. there was a question mark in right. the uh, staircase in right. Arkham. Mm-hmm. I also like that they didn't call Arkham Asylum. Right, it was Arkham State Hospital. Sure, which it was Arkham Asylum. I don't know. It's like the more thought I put into this thing, the more uneasy I feel about it. And I like this movie. I thought it like it really engaged. But me aren't you the one who always says tell an original story? I am, but it's tell an original story that's not. This is a tricky one. That's entrapment, Brian. That's illegal here. Good. He's got you cornered. How are you going to get out? I like telling an original story, but it's really hard to tell an original story when there's so much lore and mythology in the past. And when you go against that, that's when I start to have an issue with it. Alan Moore's The Killing Joke is considered the origin of Joker. Yeah, but even in that book, Joker Mm -hmm. says he likes to think of his background as being multiple choice. He, it, that's his big statement in that thing. And I completely agree. This doesn't feel like a multiple choice thing. You can't just claim that the background's multiple choice and then just change it this much. I mean, the thing is, we don't really know if any of it even happened. So of course you can't. We don't. Because Where do you think that the, the fever dream might've started? Do you think it was when he went to Arkham or do you think it was somewhere in the beginning? I think it was probably around the time he stopped taking the meds. Okay. When the funding got cut for the program. But then again, he was already imagining his life with uh, Sophie. That's very true. So I think this Joker, he's set up in a funny way, and it's because of circumstance more than anything oh, for in this sure. story. And I think it's it's kind of funny the way it's set up because, yeah, you have a whole following of people with clown masks and all that stuff. You have the tension rising, the boiling over of Gotham. <laughs> but I think that it's set up a little bit deeper than that, and that's why the Joker as a character succeeds because you have to think of it as a character. The character has to take off somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere within the lore, if you will, he has to take off somewhere. And I think th- obviously this is where it takes off when he's standing on top of the police car of the whole behold me. I'm the Joker type thing. Right. I kind of think that the Joker is an outlier. Malcolm Gladwell style. Huh? Malcolm Gladwell's outliers is a book that is based on success. Okay. There have been few villains in comic book history that have had more success than the Joker. Of course. Within Malcolm Gladwell's book, he goes and talks about 
things like Bill Gates and how he had the ability and the opportunity to work on a computer nonstop because his where he went to college, where he went to school, had that capability, and not a lot of places did. So he had an advantage to that. Yeah. It talks about how Canadian hockey players born at the beginning of a calendar year have more of an advantage over the people born later in the calendar year because that's how the, the schedule is built. Like the people who are able to play within those age groups, obviously in a 12 month difference, ones born at the beginning are more developed. Yeah. That's just how humans kids. are. And then you have like the Beatles, how they constantly played in Germany and all that stuff. And they played the 10,000 hour rule. And that's how they learned how to play together and, and become successful. He doesn't look at it so much as what are you doing now as a success. He looks at it as where have you come from, the culture, the family, what's going on within the world. Right. Is In this world, tensions rising. are they boiling over? Exactly. Here in Gotham in 1981, obviously the tensions are boiling over. But then yeah. you have him killing these Wall Street guys on a train while he's conveniently dressed in clown makeup. Then you have Thomas Wayne referring to the downtrodden and the poor as clowns. As clowns so right. now these people in Gotham start donning this clown stuff as a way to stand up to Thomas Wayne and to stand up to the bigwigs. It's like he accidentally becomes a symbol. He doesn't accidentally. He happens to fall into it. He's an outlier of success. It all very much works out in his favor because he happens to be the one who killed these three to set off this unofficial movement if you will it might have been that this murder on the train him dressed in clown makeup just happens to work out with thomas wayne calling these people clowns and then them diving on to the whole clown regalia it just fits yeah it just fits so perfectly that this joker was always set up to succeed within this world because I mean, of all the success. circumstances what if you call it success it is success he's the most sex probably successful villain in comic book history when it comes down to it, he's arguably the most famous. That's fair, yeah. I would call it a huge success. But I'm was sitting that here what just trying to do. I'm trying to think of any villains that I would argue against the Joker, and I'm having a hard time. The Ginger Skull, without a doubt. Also, just a set of uh, scenarios that worked in his favor. That's all an outlier is to become super successful in his villainous ways. That's it. I could see that. I mean, there were a lot. It's like a domino effect of, of things that happened in the Joker's favor. Uh, I mean, using that term lightly because. Because dominoes not, in this movie, you got to be real careful. <laughs> good call. Uh, that things just kind of go into into motion and he can't stop it if he wanted to. That's exactly it. And yeah. he kind of takes advantage of that when he leans in and says, yeah, I killed those Wall Street guys. Right. Guess who your new leader is, motherfuckers? This guy. Bam. I painted these triangles under my eyes, and now you guys love me. <laughs> but let me tell you, <laughs> incoming what? message from the big giant web. <laughs> what? Welcome to the big giant web. It's a podcast in the podcast. Okay. This is when we take a break from something serious, I guess, and we explore the, the dark corners of the web. Big giant Things web? that are on the internet that are fringe superhero. They're real fringe. Okay. The thing I want to explore this week, this is a wild month for this. And whenever I think of this, I'll get there. I don't know why I always think of, of superheroes. This oh. topic, every single time it comes up and I go, that's not a superhero. It doesn't make sense. It's a little something called Florida Man. Florida Man. Not a superhero. 
Should well, be because these people are doing superhuman things. Florida man does sometimes some real superhuman <laughs> stuff. I'm gonna go over some uh, Florida man headlines with you. Oh, I love it. These are from January 2020. Every single one of them. So this was a wild month for Florida. Man. Oh wow! Two weeks ago, Florida man attempts to steal golf balls, beats golfer. <laughs> <laughs> What did he beat him with? I don't know. I've played golf a thousand times. You hit the ball in the woods. You happen to find 15 other balls. You don't need to steal balls. Unless Just be you, bad at golf. Unless you get a scuba suit and hit the pond. Oh, that's a good idea. He didn't nice. think of doing that. He might end up like Chubbs, though, you know? Yeah, that's how you lose your hand to an alligator. One week ago, Florida man wearing hover shoes caught stealing from Walmart. He went in there on these type of like roller skates that are just automatic. <laughs> he's seen like pushing a cart around stealing things. He abandoned these shoes, by the way, once he got out of the Walmart. Wait, so he realized they did not like move Ocean's fast. Ocean's Eleven enough. plot. It's a real bad Ocean's Eleven. This is like an Ocean's derp a derp. Uh, Ocean's Florida. <laughs> so different. From three weeks ago, Florida man tased after slinging penis and profanities at deputies. So did he it's detach like, his penis? Basically, I'm sure. I'm unsure. He John Wayne bobbited the. <laughs> it <laughs> says that Florida man tased after slinging penis frames to deputies. He was uh, arrested after cursing at deputies while stark naked. Oh. So maybe he's just With sitting there just whipping penis. it around. Ah, so like give him the whirly bird. Right. And superhero here, Florida man from four weeks ago. Florida man severs his hand after lighting a firework inside of his car. Nice. Was that Jason Pierre-Paul? <laughs> it was not. Somehow. Even though he plays for Tampa Bay now. That would make sense. He just got rid of the rest. That's it. He he was tired of having only three fingers. He said, this would be easier if I had none. <laughs> from two weeks ago, Florida man convicted of smuggling lizards from Philippines to Massachusetts. Wow. That's a journey. There are locations involved in that one. Lizards on a plane. <laughs> sort of. I'm so that's tired. These goddamn lizards. I'm a goddamn player. You got to say it in a Florida accent. I don't even know what that's. I'm not attempting you that. You got to start chugging Budweisers, and then you'll figure it out real I fast. I don't know what that sounds like. <laughs> Last one I have from two days ago. This is recent. Florida man in Easter Bunny outfit arrested after a hit and run crash. <laughs> He's a little early. I would say. <laughs> well, it's really uh, he hard did to see. Mention that uh, the cops mask. should Google him. Well, <laughs> maybe there's a furry convention going on. Do you know who so, I am? I'm the Easter Bunny. So apparently, this man made it viral, uh, I think it was last year, how there was some sort of brawl going on, and he dove in in full Easter Bunny outfit and beat people up, and it made its rounds on the internet. He was dropping the eggs. But here, he ended up crashing into something, and the cops found him in the back seat, fully dressed as the Easter Bunny. That's <laughs> and he amazing. said, you gotta Google me. I'm just hiding the eggs. That's why I'm back here. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. Mr. Cadbury himself. How is Florida Man not a superhero? Um, I feel like we could probably develop that script real easy. TM. We TM'd it. Bam. No one take that. That's us. Got it. A Cape Podcaster's <laughs> original story. We did it. Florida Man, man, man. Let me ask you, fellas. Rotten Tomatoes, 1 to 100. Kev, go first. Rotten Tomatoes, 73. Bri? Uh, 91. Yeah, 69. Really? For critics. Out of 541. People are very torn on this movie, and I understand why. Oh, Super shit. dark. Audience scores 88%. Okay. But let me give you a freshie from James Bordinelli of Real Views. He says, although it may be difficult to like this film, 
in a conventional sense, it offers a powerful and unforgettable experience that few will find easy to shake. Oh, absolutely. I don't know how you go around and say this is an enjoyable movie. Right. I think uh, that was something that was going when I was watching it about an hour into it. I was like, it just makes you so uneasy. It's not fun, but it is definitely an emotional experience. I kept thinking like, man, like, I don't know if I'm going to walk away from this movie saying I enjoyed it, but I liked it. The acting performance is so incredible. Yeah. That's what I took away more than anything. I can understand that one. Let me give you a rotten score here. This is from Ty Burr from the Boston Globe. He says, this Joker has a ruined poetry to him that makes his victimhood seem a badge of honor and his homicidal urges seem a just, if horrifying, form of retribution. I don't. I don't know if they portray it as just. Like I, I don't empathize to, to, with this guy. Well, you may not, but I mean, part of the citizens in the movie do. A large half chunk pop- do the rising tension boiling over. Half right, the right, right. population is on board, and the rich population is not. Well, maybe that's my problem. Because Brian's rich, cash. makes sense. It's possible. It's not. I don't know. People are so split on this thing, which is interesting because. Obviously, I mean, getting nominated for 11 Oscars is a big thing. It's a huge thing. That doesn't happen every day. That's no, a that's massive. massive number. Yeah. yeah. Well, not only that, but for what's considered a comic book movie. It is a comic book movie. Fully. It's yeah. It's exactly what it is. It's uh, I just it's hard to walk away saying, like, I will definitely at some point go back and rewatch it, but I can't look back and it's not something I would be like, hey, you know, I really love that movie i want to go watch it yeah. right now hey fellas let's go turn on joker right one of those right. it's a powerful it's like movie a... but it's not like right. a saturday night with the boys movie <laughs> right 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 it's not space balls so <laughs> good space balls is so good it is so good on amazon this movie does have 4.3 out of 5 which is high yeah it has 5700 reviews already wow you know, this thing only just came out on dvd blu-ray all that stuff 71% of them are five star. 9% That's are one star, which is so high. many. That's a lot. I got tired of reading the one stars at about 50 because this movie did something fascinating. You usually have a lot of trolls writing this stuff going like, motherfuck, this isn't my Joker. Stuff, something like that. Why they have to make it a lady Joker? <laughs> exactly. With this, these people actually took the time to put thought into things. And we've always said that trolls are people who are not specific. How they yeah. say something, this sucks. This is stupid. Nah, I just but they didn't don't give like any it. reason why. The large majority of people who wrote the one stars here gave so many reasons for their feelings. Really? It was amazing to That's read. Fascinating. I only have a few because they're a bit on the long side sometimes. Sure. So from December 17th, 2019. This is the worst piece of garbage I've seen in a long time. The only good news here is that Jared Leto is no longer the worst Joker. The story (laughs) takes forever to unfold. There are no compelling characters, and Phoenix was painful to watch. He spent the whole movie crying or laughing, and the laughing wasn't even believable. Also, Bruce Wayne makes an appearance in this movie as a child, so the Joker is 30 years older than Wayne. By the time that that he becomes Batman, the Joker would be using a walker. I'd watch he's that. Wrong. He's not. He's not wrong about the age <laughs> discrepancy. Yeah, the age difference is pretty extreme. But I, you can't discount Joaquin's performance. Yeah. Joaquin's putting on a show on this thing. He's terrific. And the 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 laugh doesn't even sound believable. Bit just tells me that this person did not understand what was happening. No, but there's also two different laughs. 
There's three different laughs. Which was the third? I I know that there's the first laugh, which is a bit lower pitched, and it is the one that he does not mean to do. And then the higher pitched one seems to be when he thinks he should be laughing. Right. Like at the comedy club when he's laughing offbeat, which is yes. so uncomfortable. So but much. It's a higher pitched laugh. What's the yeah. third? The third one is the real one at the end of the movie. Oh, man. Layers, baby. That's yeah. so good. I think his performance is much more related to Ledger's, though, where there's so many ticks and small mannerisms that he picks up that make his performance so compelling. Oh, yeah. It's like he looks he looks in pain every time he's laughing. It's so believable that there's not even a word to really describe it. And it's also just such a smart thing to be like, oh, he has a condition that makes him laugh. It explains so much about why the Joker is the way that he it is. It explains so much, but the actor still needs to portray that. And Joaquin oh, yeah. Phoenix portrays that. And that Crushed does not sound it. easy to to do. Right. From December 26, 2019. Ever since the Dark Knight movie with Heath Ledger, directors have depicted the Joker as extremely dark. That is ridiculous. Anyone that is familiar with the character in the comics knows that he is a colorful and mischievous character with an overwhelming sense of confidence and overachievement. Yeah, that was Arthur Fleck at the end of the movie. Correct. So, this is a Man of Steel type Superman movie, if you want to really break it down that way, where he's developing what he becomes. It's an origin. How about that? Hey. From January 17, 2020. It's weird saying 2020. (laughs) I would give this less than one star if I could. Don't believe the hype. Dan Coy from Slate Magazine. I guess that's his name. I'll believe him. From Slate Magazine sums it up perfectly. This is a review within a review. How about that? Joker is a movie for people who think that starving yourself, being a pain to your coworkers, and allegedly kicking a dumpster so hard you dislocate your knee are evidence of good acting. In fact, they are not. I mean, it's commitment. (laughs) Or Joker is 122 minutes long, yet somehow contains 183 minutes of Joaquin Phoenix laughing uncontrollably. (laughs) I get it. Yeah, I I mean... I don't disagree in some parts, but still. I don't know. I think it works. So did everyone else giving out all these awards. Everyone thinks this thing works. Right. I mean, he's already won the Critics' Choice Movie Award for Best Actor and the Golden Globe. Well, the Critics' Choice, that's what everyone's after. Well, yeah. (laughs) The Critics' Choice was announced. don't act like you would be so happy if the Critics Mm. chose you. I get what I fucking deserve. But if they did, be so happy. The last one I have here, again, these are semi-bright people it seems like writing these reviews from january 14th 2020 the theme of the movie villains aren't really evil they're just a product of their circumstances they should be pitied and taken care of with endless subsidies and services while they wallow in self-pity and eventually insanity i disagree with that i don't think at any point were they trying to portray this guy as a hero they never said that they did were they trying to get you to sympathize with them a little bit, though? I think that they were a lot of the time. Most but of the movie, I think they were trying extent. to. Yeah. But I do think that, I mean, this movie does explore villains as a product of their circumstances. Yeah. That's probably the main theme. Behind we don't that. know where the Riddler has come from, for the most part, at least in the films. We don't know where a lot of villains come from. We don't know their motivations. We don't know their upbringings. Even if you go something back to like a Spider-Man, Norman Osborn being the villain. He's just a bad dude. He's just he got, a, a he rich got all guy the gas. Who, uh... Yeah, but what made him get to that direction? We don't know how he grew up. We don't know anything that's implanted from a young age. Right here, we actually get to see 
a character who's under these bad circumstances, who's going through some serious shit in his life and who's going off the meds and we see him make the turn. Yeah. I read multiple articles from psychologists who said this is spot on a series of events that could lead to somebody doing something like this. It makes sense. So this dude's not wrong. He feels he's justified in what he's doing. Right. Right. Yeah. And he's not the only one because obviously that population rallied uh, behind him that they felt he was in the right, that they were being wronged as well. And he was becoming their symbol. Right. And I don't know why this guy gave it one star after I keep like reading this thing, because he even goes on to say, like, the movie is a fitting portrait of our decaying society of people not willing to take any sort of responsibility for themselves of the millions that live in a fantasy world of comic book heroes and villains and how these work shamelessly plunder the myths of our collective paths, stripping any real meaning from our lives. One star. Yeah, one star. Because Joker should have pulled himself up by his bootstraps. (laughs) That's it. He should have gotten himself a real job. Worked at like. Gray's papaya or something like Hung that. Hung out with Florida man. <laughs> I don't know what this guy's so mad about. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, this movie is completely defending his points. Uh, all right. Should we give this thing a super stuff? Yeah, I think we could do that. Story and motivation. It's an all right story. The motivation's fully there. Uh, motivation is, it's a lot of circumstance, but. Yeah. The motivation is this guy's got a bit of a mental illness, and he's trying to find an outlet for it, I guess. He's just been wrong. Just trying to live. Yeah, this, oh, maybe there isn't that much of a story. No, well, is, he's also trying to be noticed. He is trying to be noticed, but he's only being noticed in his head. This is a major character study. Is he, though? Where the outside world doesn't even need to exist. Legitimately, you could sit down on his couch, and this whole movie could still play out. I don't know. Because a lot of his positive reinforcement is coming from the citizens of Gotham who are holding him up on a pedestal. Eventually. That's for the last five minutes. But we don't even know if it happened or not. There's so much delusion on his part. I mean, obviously him thinking that his stand-up comedy was going well from his uh, imaginative girlfriend. I'm... That actually kind of helps the case. Because if that's the case, and the fact that you can't believe anything that you see... Makes us a much more interesting movie. Yeah. I'm going to go 0.75. I think that is spot on, actually. I can agree. Let's talk about hero. No hero. There's this none. Is, yeah. There's zero heroes. There, it, um, Legitimately, it should get a negative, and I don't think that this should get a negative. No. No, not for the way that the protagonist was so well portrayed. I'm going to go zero. Gary's my hero. Gary's the world's hero. Gary's the of best. Of course. Thing Everybody loves Gary. In- He's the best. Me on the I'll go zero for hero. Zero for hero. Unfortunate, but it's true. Uh, villains. I'm going to go 1.5. 1.5? Yeah. Um, it's the origin of one of the most famous comic book villains of all time. Yeah. Even though he might not be the villain who's portrayed in the comics. Dave's over here. Not my Joker, but I love him. Yeah, and I, it's such a fascinating theory to hear people say, like, oh, he might be, Joker might be, like, a, a passed-along name or something like that. How other people can become Joker. I don't buy yeah. it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's probably just its own set of films if they make more, which they definitely will. Right. I guess Do you think... Todd Phillips pitched it as, like, a whole DC Black series. I, I thought it was, like, a standalone, so I didn't know if they really thought, I don't know if they just didn't think it was going to do as well as it did. I definitely well, don't think they... I don't think they... Well, I know, but then it's like, now I think they're changing their minds on a lot of the things that they said they were going to do. Yeah. So did they really... 
plan for it to take off and make a billion dollars and us be like, we got to milk the cow a little bit here. I mean, the fact that Joaquin Phoenix is like, let's do another one after he turned down the Hulk and Doctor Strange because of multi-picture deals is a big deal. Yeah, but oh boy, this is going to get into an argument here. DC characters have more depth than Marvel characters. Oh, absolutely. Oh, not an argument. Cool. I like it. No, that's true. Uh, I think that as an actor, and he's a proper actor, I think he likes the challenge of what the Joker has to bring. And a lot of actors would kill to play the Joker. Oh, absolutely. And then kill as the Joker. Hey. But I think that Joaquin Phoenix is the type of actor who likes the challenge. What other actors, just off topic, do you think would properly serve? We'll go a limit of three or two. As the Joker? Who do you think could play the Joker and pull it off well to the level that it's been risen to? Michael Sarah, For sure. Definitely. Uh, Of course. John Krasinski. He's um, another actor. Michael He's Ian Black. Do- That's it. Three. We got it. <laughs> we nailed it. That was easy. Uh, Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> oh, God. That is so good. Tommy Wiseau doing the audition tape. Oh, it's phenomenal. If you haven't seen that, Google Go it. Go right Google now. that. It's so good. The Joker's a very nuanced role. And the crazy thing about the Joker is that it's a, it, I don't think it's a secret that Joaquin Phoenix is probably going to win Best Actor. Uh, it's it's looking that way unless they unless they want to screw him which is a possibility it's a possibility because they do like the buck the trend sometimes they do i'll go 1.5 for villain i am into that i can't go a full two because it's not my joker it's not my joker either but i gotta give joaquin credit where credit oh the acting on point yeah it's unreal parents uh well no this is interesting because mother of the year we do and she dies on screen she dies on screen she's killed by the we have to we're at a point five no matter what yeah we can't go a full one because we don't know daddy we don't know about daddy if it's thomas wayne then we're a full-blown one but right but we don't know for sure we we don't know they have to die and if they die on screen it's aces for us yeah well 0.75 you're giving benefit of the doubt to thomas wayne being real daddy I think it, we're erring on the Father side of he could be. So what are you thinking? So you give him half credit for maybe being a dad <laughs> and dying on screen. Side of caution, point five. All right, that's boring, but okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Thomas Wayne. Maybe pull out once in a while. Female machine, Thomas character. Spray and pray. Female characters. You have the mommy. Yep, mother of the year. And you have uh, Sophie, who isn't real most of the time. Zazzy Beats. Uh, well written for an illusion. She's very well written for an illusion. I'm going to go. Uh, this therapist. No, the therapist Both doesn't of them. do much because she doesn't listen at all. The mom's terrific. She's very good. Well, there's also a lack of female characters this thing. I'm going to go 0.25. I think that is fair. Got to give Frances Conroy some credit because she does a very good job when she's on screen. Setting. Gotham, baby. Gotham. Uh, I'm going to say something here. Yep. Two. Wow. I think this is the most realistic and lived in Gotham City we've ever seen. And it's the only time, well, one of the only times I've watched a movie where the setting had an arc. Done. Sold. That's all I need to hear. Bam. As a former locations person, yeah, that's, that felt real good hearing that. <laughs> well done. Brian gave him one point just in the staircase. Staircase is iconic. Staircase is iconic. Style and tone. I'm going to start at one. Yeah. It's so dark. <laughs> it is so dark. It is, it's like yeah, a black hole dark. DC universe. 
It's so dark. It's so dark. I'm going to start and end at one, actually. Now I think about it. I think that's. I, I that's think it's a safe spot to land, but it's extremely good. It holds the whole way through. I Next wish up. there was something to give it a little contrast. And you can't tell me, like, Joker's costume is what the contrast is. Uh, no, because he wears all those individual pieces earlier in the movie. Exactly. Um, yeah, the, the contrast, in order to have contrast, you'd have to break from the Joker's perspective, and then it becomes too reliable. Right. And I don't think him walking into a glass door like he does at one point is enough to break tension enough that was to. It's pretty The tension's though. rising. It's it makes you feel uneasy the entire time you're watching the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Not an enjoyable movie. No. The first hour, I was like uncomfortable. I still am uncomfortable. I think a lot of that might have to do with uh, the dissonance in our next category, music. Who wrote this thing? Hilder fucking Guthna (laughs) Dortier. She did something really cool in this movie where Todd Phillips asked her to write the score before the movie was shot. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. And And Todd Phillips edit to it, though. That makes me curious. I don't know. And then you have Arthur or Joaquin Phoenix reacting to the actual music that's already been recorded. I'm going to go one five. I think that's. uh, That is so unique and so cool. That is phenomenal in my mind. Yeah. All right. Uh, One liners. Uh, you get I, what you fucking deserve. Yeah, I don't know how much <sighs> sticking power these things have. Right. Uh, I thought my life was a, co- a tragedy, but it turns out it's a fucking comedy. Fine. That's that's something, I guess. It's something, I guess. It's There's not, not a lot strong. of sticking power with these one-liners. I'm going to go zero for the one-liners. I think that is. I don't think this movie is designed for one-liners no, at all. No, and that's I think okay. that would be the wrong tone. And that would Are you sure, Murray? Because that would be enjoyable if you could over and over again. <laughs> so serious and our final category is the impact on the genre i think that this movie isn't going to have an impact on the genre no and i say that because the direction things are going mcu is always considered like more bright sure and slightly upbeat despite the whole you know infinity saga that we experienced right, right. where it was real dark it was real dark but it still had its comedy interlaced in there right but even when you look at the more modern dc movies with a shazam or with a wonder woman or an aquaman they're not dark movies this Those thing are is on a movies, level sure. of its own in terms of darkness and it had to go there but you think it stands alone as them doing like individual movies just based on a single character uh, well, DC Do you think Comics might see that more. DC Comics took advantage of this, and they did a year of the villain this year with the comics itself, where they did like one shots of Black Adam and the Joker and the Riddler and things like that. Right. I don't think the genre itself is going to be majorly affected by Joker. I think it's an extremely good movie, and I think everyone agrees that it's an extremely good movie. But they're not going to say we need to shift to a dark tone now. It's a thing that DC has gotten shit on for so long. And then they finally knocked out of the park and everyone's like, wow, that's phenomenal. Well, here's where I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Because I think the way things are headed right now with DC and Marvel, they are on opposite tracks. Uh, where Kevin Feige is is going into these meetings with a heavy hand and has a checklist of things that need John to get Favreau, done. John Favreau, heavy hand. Exactly. And uh, I think it's one of the reasons that Scott Derrickson left Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness 
Whereas on the DC side, they're just letting people do whatever the hell they want. And it's making for really interesting one-off movies. So you're saying that not having a connected universe is benefiting right now. I think we're going to see in a, a more artistic more, way. We're going to start seeing a lot more unconnected movies because of this. I kind of want to give this just a number and then I'm have a TBD attached 0.5. to it because it's, I, I think it's the safest spot to possibly land for this thing because I think right there's in the middle. a big TBD. It's so fresh that it's hard to tell with, with this what right. the impact will be. Exactly. So we'll cop out, give it a 0.5 for impact on the genre. That will give Joker a total score of eight. That's not bad at that's all. A, that's, in fact, pretty damn good. That's really good considering there's a zero in there. That's amazing. We did uh, break our own rule and go over one uh, three times, though. Fine. Deserved. It's a good movie. It's a very Can't good movie. Can't stop it. Our scale is becoming more and more arbitrary every day. Brian, what do we talk about next week? Next week, we are uh, going to go over to the Marvel side and talk about uh, Fiery Man with the skull head. Uh, Ghost Rider. Oh, boy. <laughs> some, uh, I'm some so glad we're talking superheroes Mickey. again. This is the best. Yeah. Oh, man. So next week, we're going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Yep. Wait. That's right. That's the a, Weatherman. That's a different movie. The Rock. Nick Cage. He's back, baby. He's... I can't wait. It's been so long since Kick-Ass, so that'll be nice. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. You can like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cape Podcasters. And if you have any questions, comments, stories, opinions, corrections, you can email them to capepodcasters at gmail.com. And don't forget to keep listening at the end of every episode for the post credits. They're there. Always. Every single one. Kevin, thanks for uh, joining us. Great time. The amateur Batman enthusiast. It's just Kevin. It's just Kevin. Just Kevin. Wherever you see a bat symbol in the sky, he'll be here near a mic drinking my booze. It'll be great. Classic. (laughs) So I guess we'll see you next week for Ghost Rider. Same pod time. Same pod. So, Dave, that's Joker. What do you think happens after the credits? What I think happens after the credits is Arthur Fleck walks into a bar and he's kind of coming down from this all. He's got the makeup off him. He's incognito. He's just one of the scum of Gotham at this point because, you know, tensions are rising, boiling over. He can boiling over. just blend in. He looks like a type of guy who can blend in. Sure. And when he's there, he sits down next to this really short guy at the bar, this Italian guy. He's just talking to him. And as he's talking to him, Arthur starts doing his crazy laugh, and the guy says, what's so funny? So Arthur goes, you're a funny guy. You're a funny guy. And this guy says, <laughs> funny how? And Arthur goes, no, I just don't know. I don't know. He's like, what do you mean funny? What do you mean funny? It turns out it's Joe Pesci. <laughs> do I amuse you? Brian, what do you think happens post-credits? I think the movie just ends, and then a couple years later, Joker 2 comes out. And then we're there. Either, I don't know, opening night, it doesn't matter. We're there to see the movie. 
and it opens up, and it's Arthur climbing on top of the police car, picking up right from the end of this movie. And then a title card comes up with some jaunty piano music, and it says, that's how it could have happened. <laughs> you totally have a clue on it? <laughs> yeah. Genius. Tim Joker Curry, 2 is just Joker. a different Yes, uh, please. Oh, we did that already. It's story. called It. That's right. It's called It. <laughs> 